0: This week on Kettle of Fish, comedian and writer Eliza Skinner stops by to talk about dropping the mic.
1: Welcome to our after show, we call Kettle of Fish, the no politics laughter show, it's time for Kettle of Fish, no debates, hate, or arguments, allowed on Kettle of Fish, it's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip, so hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty guys, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the fun, no politics, laughter show, where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, and models about life, love, and the creative process. And, alright, probably a little bit about politics. I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the internet, Airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you live, as always, from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my year-round valentine. They'll run to my Aww. stimpy the pebbles to my bam bam, the itchy to my scratchy D the werewolf slaying producer.
0: Oh, that's adorable. I'm, oh, I
1: needed some brownie points today since I was so high tense this morning.
0: That's okay. And yes, I like the werewolf slayer. We, uh, we went to pigeon forge and played one of those 7D game things where like they sit you in the chairs that move around and you shoot stuff. And as is par for the course, um, technically I had the highest score in the room and you had the lowest but there were only two of us this time so it wasn't really
1: <laughs> which isn't quite as embarrassing as when you're getting spanked by five-year-olds like yeah. last time there was like yeah. 30 people in a room and it was like wah, wah. <laughs> I had like a score of six and everybody yeah. else had like a score of 30,000
0: yeah I think I only beat you by like 20,000 points this time you did pretty good
1: But let me tell you, man, this simulation, this werewolf attraction, whatever you want to name it, um, this was as close to a fucking holodeck on Star Trek as I have ever experienced. It was 3D, like awesome 3D. And there was one part where you slam, you like go off this ledge... And slam into the ground, like free fall, like 200 feet and slam into the concrete. And I almost threw up when that happened. Wow. My whole yeah. stomach dropped. It was like being on one of those pirate ships at the amusement park.
0: See, there you go. That's why I liked it. I was like, yeah, shoot everything. Ah! I'm, I'm just such a big kid. I, it's, I'm a nerd. It's It's cool. I like it.
1: Another thing in our romantic getaway to Pigeon Forge, I noticed, is we went to the wax museum. And we went there two years ago, and I thought it was amusing that every single wax figure that was there two years ago was still there except for Donald Trump. He has been removed.
0: Yeah. And I cannot
1: imagine what people are doing to the Donald Trump wax figure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know when we went there like two years ago, I was like taking pictures with my ass in his face and all this stuff. (laughs) Like all this adolescent bullshit. I can't imagine what people are doing to this fucking Trump wax figure that made them have to remove it.
0: Yeah, I, and you would think that they would have left it here because we are in the South where, you know, he probably has more supporters than just about anywhere. So I don't know.
1: I don't know. This was Rubio country. I mean, in the primary, yeah, this true. our county went Rubio, so they weren't like totally off the rails. Right. All right, let's move on. And introduce a girl who starts her spring cleaning in January, summer-loving in March, and has been currently living through her winter of discontent. Fern, a moist voice heart.
2: (laughs) Did I nail that entry or what? Yes, it has been a long fucking winter. Oh, my God, yes, it has been crazy. But I want to go back to uh, your Pigeon Forge trip real quick because I was listening to you and you're like, it was like being on one of those pirate ships um, you're, not, you're not having good luck with pirate ships this year, dude. The, the whole pirate ship reference—I was just like, I remember a certain pirate ship that Nick did not do well on. Um, but I, I totally in the get that feeling.
1: In the fetal position, I had seasickness so bad. Yeah, and it yeah, was my fair, private birthday, and even like the pills didn't help. To be fair, it was
2: a booze cruise, and there was a lot of booze involved before we took the booze cruise, so that's that's kind of fair. But I totally get that feeling, though. Um, if you go to Busch Gardens and go to um, the uh, Curse of Dark Castle, it's kind of like the same thing. You're riding in this in this cart, though, instead of you know running around shooting shit. But you're riding in this cart, and it's three D, and they take you like swoop you down like almost Harry Potter style, nice. like where you're flying through stuff, but there's like things trying to get you and it, it it gave me that eerie like oogie feeling too so i totally get that
1: yeah and i mean my stomach we i went on a ride oh god it was at like a local carnival mm-hmm. 2 years ago that spins around in circles and i thought i could handle it and my stomach was just like is that, yeah, like yeah, like that like
0: the tilt-a-whirl yeah was something like that He had to leave and like go like Alpine watch a movie
1: express he could yeah, not Yeah, I, left, I at actually
0: all. left the park yeah.
1: and went and watched a movie to cool down because it was so hot out and yeah. I got so sick off that ride.
0: Yeah, and, me and the kids are running around, we don't even care. We're just like, "Ah, let's go on something else." Whee! And I'm gagging <laughs> as I walk past
1: like the crab apples and cotton candy machines and I'm like Bleh. Anyway, I'm going to try to keep it light and fluffy today. Um, I made a mistake today and actually got on Facebook before the show. Boom, boom. And I am just infuriated with all the stuff that's going on this past week. It's going to be hard to keep it light and fluffy.
0: Well, I have faith in you. And we have so many cool things coming up. It's just not even, like, I don't even know. Like, I just don't know. Um, coming next, we're having a very special... Uh, Wednesday, funny thing about politics, with actor James Morrison, who's been on like 500 million different things. I can't even...
1: James is very, very outspoken politically, and with what Fern went through (laughs) last night, and with as revved up as I am, I have a feeling, dude, we are going to be getting quite the barrage of hate mail after Wednesday. Yeah,
0: we're going to go long. It's okay. Uh, And then uh, we are also going to have, in about a week, we're going to have Leah Shore, the filmmaker who... Uh, it does animation and all kinds of fun stuff. I can't wait to start binge watching all of her stuff. That's going to be fun. Um, and that same day, we have got another icon. It's going to be great. Uh, we've got David Lander, also known as Squiggy. And it's so funny when I tell people we're going to have Squiggy on because they start doing the voice. And I'm like, no, no, no. Nick's talk to him. That's really how he sounds. Like, for reals. So that's going to be fun. Uh, And then we have uh, comedian Ember Knight coming on. We have got the maker of my favorite documentary of the day, The Brainwashing of My Dad. We've got Jen Senko coming on. Um, And then we're going to have a we were going to have a three for now we're going to have a four for all, I guess is what we'll call it. Uh, we're going to have on musical osmosis. We've got Abby, the spoon lady, we've got uh Calabunga pizza time. We've got max Sabbath and we've got Oakley, dokely Four very fun bands are all going to come on. Uh, and then we've got, you may have seen her very recently on a couple of MSNBC morning shows, Mary Latham, who is going around and hunting for good good stories and I really want to yeah it can't be an
1: easy um quest in this day and age man right
0: uh and then we are gonna yeah exactly um and then we are rounding out the month of March with Cecilia Bostrom from the baboon show on musical osmosis so lots of we keep
1: saying we're gonna slow down our schedule and I keep doubling down like the insane lunatic I am
0: yes you do um today however we have i am i've been looking forward to this because it meant that i got to binge watch one of my all-time favorite shows which of course is adam ruins everything it makes me feel smarter and laugh at the same time and also reinforced my belief that diamonds are just big pieces of glass um and also my favorite thing next to the good place that I've ever seen Kristen Bell do which is this cute little short called Mary Poppins Quits and if you've never seen it you have to Google it that's just the rules of the game here and most oh, recently Oh yeah you've
1: been talking about that incessantly for like I, the last two weeks It's
0: funny I mean it's perfect
1: um, Oh yeah it is funny but you love it I like do. really are into it
0: I mean it's funny and then it's Kristen Bell and it's Mary Poppins which I grew up with So Is you know, Kristen it's just...
1: Bell replacing Amy Poehler in like your girl crush list lately? oh
0: ever nothing can ever replace amy poehler because but amy poehler is like my woman crush she's because she's like more my age and kristen Bell's like a little oh boy i hate than to me. dig
1: into the um, psychology behind this statement
0: yeah i love them i love them both They just, isn't she just... married
2: to will ferrell
0: yes no she was yes was. Uh, um okay i would I don't know. love not to apply around that um, table seriously crap not will ferrell the other one um yeah, now I'm just going to have to go back and scrap this whole thing. No. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Kristen Bell has Dax Shepard, which is a major plus because he's hilarious too. Yeah, um, I love that guy. Anyway, we're digressing already. Uh, we're good at that. Um, but most recently from – I thought it was funny as all hell. This morning we watched the one with uh, Mayim Bialik um, and her co-star from The Big Bang – who is just adorable anyway. Um, anyway, most recently from Drop the Mic, we have... Do, 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 do. No, me? I'm the only one? Yeah, we have Eliza Skinner. <laughs> Were well, we
1: all supposed to say it at the same time?
0: Yes. I'm sorry I didn't practice that with you. You've just got to send me in. some notes on this. Right? I'm <laughs> yeah, just letting hi. you go, like
1: free-for-all, man. Uh,
0: Eliza, oh, hi. Who that is?
1: <laughs> Hello. Hi. Eliza, thank you so much for calling in on this um, out here in Tennessee, dreary Sunday.
2: Oh, well, it's it's sunny in L.A. today. Um, Yeah, uh, I I made all those things you mentioned. um, And also, uh, Amy Poehler used to be married to Will Arnett. That's who you're thinking of. Thank you. I just Googled that, and I was going to... myself but thank you you're right absolutely oh, Saves, i feel like an idiot saved now thank you
1: from having to jump on the google machine <laughs> you're, you're no already a net, a net gain for the show eliza
2: hey i'm just here to help um and your your crush on her is well warranted she's she's really great Right.
1: Oh yeah! All right, so let's dig into some Valentine's Day stuff before we dig into all things Eliza. Eliza, how was your Valentine's Day? Was there too much or not enough romance this past Wednesday?
2: Um, it was it was okay. There was not a lot of romance, but I'm okay with that. I didn't. Uh, I, I'm I'm busy right now, so I don't have a whole lot of time for it. Uh, I I was working all day, and then I did a show at night, and uh, I got it. I got a real
0: cute text, and that's
1: all I needed. Wow, yeah, sometimes it's the little things, right, Danielle?
0: Yes, yes, it is. Like being able to take selfies in front of wax figures. Click. Yeah, we didn't (laughs) celebrate
1: ours until we went away for the weekend. Hey, Fern, I sent you this um, article, and this is the first show we've done since Valentine's Day, so I just want to touch on this real quick, of the worst Valentine dates ever. And I guess somebody had posted, what was your worst Valentine's Day on reddit and then they got all these responses and someone wrote an article about it and i don't know about you but my two takeaways from this article was one it seemed like all the women were like this thing happened that was emotionally um like dissatisfying or i didn't connect with the person it was disappointing and it seemed like all the guy ones were like i didn't get laid i thought i was gonna get laid on valentine's day and i did it and then number two i thought the guy on that list i sent you number eight who was like complaining about like how he got his girlfriend coked out and she OD'd and all these horrible things. He was a complete dick, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean the, the the women were all just like I want, you know, a little romance, just you know, tell me you love me, show me you love me. It's like other than like birthdays and anniversaries, like this is the only other day that we normally get that we kind of just say, okay, Just something nice, something small. It doesn't have to be big. Maybe cook me dinner. Maybe, I don't know, pick up a toilet brush, clean the toilet, something, you know. (laughs) Like, to me, that's romantic. If you're going to go in and clean the bathroom, then you love me because, like, that's, like, the dirtiest job ever. But the dudes were just like, you're right. I didn't get laid or that one dude was like, uh, he went through his years. Like, he went through every single year, and it was like, broke up with this chick, uh, you know, cheated on this chick, and I, I was just and the amazed. most
1: recent one was, went out with a virgin and didn't get laid and walked out on a date. Why do my Valentine's Days always suck? And I'm thinking, what's the, like, what is the common fucking denominator in this equation, dude? Maybe you need to do a little bit of self-reflection there, pal.
2: Ah, uh, you look, I mean, you're preaching to the choir with that. I mean, I've been in an experience where, you know, there is no, absolutely no uh, self-awareness and no accountability for behavior. I mean, my Valentine's Day, I got a shitty text from my ex at 20 to 5 in the morning and then another one at 6 o'clock in the morning That's on true. Valentine's Day. And I'm like, what is your damage? Like, on Valentine's Day, you're going to send me shitty texts about how horrible of a person I am and you have no accountability for your behavior like none? Like, thanks, pal. This kind of reinforces why um, things aren't working out. Like, how dumb do you have to be? But yeah, that dude was ridiculous. I found out she was a virgin, so I left because he wasn't going to get that's that's, that's that's pretty tasteless.
1: I agree. I mean, Eliza, what was the worst Valentine's yeah. Day you ever had? Hit us with. Do you have a horrible story you want to share, or have you been you know, pretty uh, lucky V-Day-wise?
2: Well, before, before, I, before I do, I would love to chime in just on that general topic. I think there's yeah, a please. lot of the problem between, between men and women and at all, uh, let alone in romantic relationships, are that men are kind of taught by a lot of parts of the media and the world to view women as, like, sex things or, pe- or things that dispense sex. And so if that's not what we're doing, it's like we're broken um, instead of, like, fully formed human beings where that's an aspect of us. Um, and I think that ends up sexually frustrating not just men, but a lot of women, too. I bet a lot of those women who were, like, it wasn't romantic enough or like, like, if they had continued, could have been, like, and I really wish it would have been so that I could have gotten laid and felt romantic about it also. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a whole, it's, it's bad communication all around. Anyways, well, it's about,
1: about boxes though, right? Because yeah. I am not the greatest looking guy in the world, but I have been, I do pretty well. And I'm not saying this in kind of like an arrogant bite into a Slim Jim Macho Man way, but I've always done pretty well dating women, meeting women and dating them. And people are like, how do you do so well dating women? What's your lines? And I was like, dude, I don't have lines. I just talk to people like they're fucking people. All people. I just talk to people and then we connect on a cerebral level and then they're interested in me and they want to know more so we go out and see what happens. Isn't that how life's supposed to work?
2: It's it's seeing women as fully formed people um, and that it's not just that they're not just for that one thing. Um, And yeah, there's no one less sexy than a dude that you can tell is just it only sees you as a, as a sex machine. Um, but my worst Valentine, I, I don't, I mean, I had a pretty bad Valentine a few years ago where this guy had built it up and was like, yeah, we're spending Valentine's day together and then made absolutely no planning. And I was like, well, give me a mom. little bit of context.
1: Is this somebody you had been dating for a while? Was this a yeah, new relationship? I
2: had been, no, I had been dating him for like, da, 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 I think like four months. So that's like, wow. that should be the sweet spot, right? If you're, oh, you're yeah. going to keep dating, that's the best. That should be like where it's just hidden. Um, and yeah, he just, he, uh, he was a bumbler. He was one of those guys who was like, oh, was I supposed to know that? Oopsie, I'm just dumb. And it's like, dude, you're almost 30. You're too old to, d- to be dumb. The, there are there are basics like you got to make a reservation on Valentine's Day, otherwise you're just going to be driving around all night, and everybody's going to get frustrated, which is what happened. And he was like, "I'm definitely taking you out," and then we couldn't get in anywhere, and I was like, "It's okay, we can just like I don't know, like go order some food or go someplace, like let's just go to a diner or whatever." And he's like, "No, no, we're we're going to do this," and I was like. Uh, it, it, you're making a show that you were thinking that you were thinking about me, but you didn't really actually think about me. His grasp extended of,
1: like, far beyond reach. his reach. Yeah. Um, also, and so it ended up, ended up being
2: 30, like an emotional. If you're yeah, over 30 and women
1: are describing you as a bungler, once again, might be time for some <laughs> self, um, you know, reflection, pal. Well,
2: oh. oh, that's the whole thing. There are dudes well into their like. 60s and 70s who were like oh did I I just didn't know and like you knew it's, it's a move that guys pull where they pretend they just didn't know any better instead of going like yeah I messed up I messed up I'm sorry
1: Which, whoa are you asking somebody to take accountability in America? How did that get into your head Eliza?
2: It, it ends the conversation so much quicker so you can move on to fixing things I, I, I don't understand why it's so difficult for people
1: Fern, 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 how yes. many fucking times have I sat in your garage at the table and we stayed up till four in the morning talking about accountability?
0: Oh,
2: God, dude. I, you know, something that never happens is Nick's brain never gets fried by political conversation. Never happens. But that morning, we stayed up so late talking about politics. And he got up the next day, and I started in again. And he's like, "Nope, I can't. I got to take a break. You just can't talk about politics right now." I mean, we fried each other's brains so bad. But yeah, accountability I just is to eat some
1: fruity pebbles, man. You, you yeah, the only no. to burn me out on politics.
2: Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, is accountability is not necessarily a right or wrong thing. It sometimes it's an evolution, right? So sometimes you see a topic. And you're like, this is how I feel on it. And then you become more educated and you get more facts instead of going on your feelings. And you say, oh, you know what? I'm seeing this from other perspectives and I can see where maybe I was being a little obtuse. There's a lot more information out there. I've shifted my position on this. Now, that doesn't mean you were necessarily wrong. It just means you've become enlightened. Now, there are certain things that are right and wrong. You know, basic humanity right now is being eroded at an exponential rate. And has been for quite some time and basic humanity and treating other people as human beings, as you were just talking about, not just men, women or relationships, just everybody, you know, this has become a political issue and not a right or wrong issue. I'm very strong and there's a right and there's a wrong but as far as platform goes and ideology, there's always room for expanding your mind and understanding someone else's perspective. It doesn't necessarily mean your position will change, but if you do your research and look at your facts, then you can become enlightened and you necessarily aren't but wrong. But people would
1: it rather evolved. be anything but say they evolved on an issue. And I'll go back to the same story I have probably told in the show a dozen times. My half-brother posted stuff for a while saying... I'm against gay marriage, I'm against gay marriage, marriage is a man and a woman. And then a couple years later, he went into this libertarian kick and was like, the government has no um, business getting involved in marriage, who cares if a man and woman want to get married? And I sent him privately, not to embarrass him, I said, hey, here's a screenshot from when you said you were totally against gay marriage, why did you evolve on this? And he's like, I didn't, you're taking my words out of context. I said, you said literally, I am against gay marriage. No, no, no. I just I just didn't want to be forced to marry a man like a gunpoint by the government. Oh, Why would he rather yeah. think I, that he's a dumbass who would think something that's stupid than just go, dude, I evolved on the issue?
2: I think that America right now, and maybe the world, uh, is addicted to telling people that they're wrong. They're addicted to, that, to the dopamine rush that you get from that. When you're like, "Ha! I caught you being wrong," and because that's so powerful, everyone is terrified of it being used against themselves. And I prefer to think of it in a way I think that you guys are expressing also that we all have the opportunity to end every day smarter than we began it. And that Thank doesn't you. mean that you're you're yes. stupid. It just means you got better within one day. You got even smarter than you were. And I think that's a way that we can just flip it and. And use this as, as evolution, not as finger-pointing and shaming for not having known it before. It's, it's a real bad loop that, that we all have to crawl away from and make sure it doesn't suck us down.
1: Well, and it's interesting because we're sitting here and we're kind of diving into the political. And I know your background and I've watched your comedy and I've kind of dove into your Twitter and your Facebook. Your Twitter you use a lot more. Um,
2: you're, you're stalking me.
1: Yes, of course. I stalk everybody I'm going to have <laughs> on the show so I don't look like a complete asshole. It's all about me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's all a bit obvious. But the point like trying- troll!
1: Yeah. The point I'm trying to make, though, is I don't see you posting a lot about politics, but I know you are an intelligent, free-thinking person who is probably very working on Adam Ruins Everything. You've got to be very informed on the issues. Are you keeping politics out of like your social media life because it's so
2: oh, toxic? No. That's that's surprising that you think that. I um, I actually I I think of myself as somebody who posts about politics quite a bit. I try to balance it with also posting jokes. Um, within the past few weeks, I, I started back at my job, so I haven't been posting much at all besides besides uh. show promotion stuff. Besides like trying to help the people who show them on, like come on get 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 audience out. Um, but yeah, I hosted a political podcast for two years. Um, and we stopped doing it because we felt like when we started doing it, it was me and another comedian, uh, Will Weldon, who's from Canada. Um, right and it was, yeah, um, he's great. He's very smart. You follow, if you want some angry political tweets, follow Will Weldon. Um, yeah, we'll have to but, do that.
1: I need more angry tweets in my life.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but but we started it because we felt like uh, government and politics and social issues were things that not that people weren't really talking about and by the time we ended it we felt like well, oh, this is something everyone is talking about we don't need to do this anymore we don't need to lead the discussion people are talking about it we're just um we're we're just recycling it so wow. we can roll back from this and go on to other projects and see what else we can help with in the world you know um, that's
1: scary fern because that's kind of the same like process we went through with the ignorance equation like are we doing more harm than good and we had somebody who was very right wing on that show to show people that the left and right can talk and it actually ended up leading up to the election the left and right can't talk anymore
2: oh yeah 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 Yeah, it really did It, it kind of it kind of snowballed out of control but i think i think the balance issue is very important you know there's there's being in the conversation and not being run out of the conversation, but also balancing that with other things in your life. And I think that's what a lot of some hardcore people are lacking right now is that balance and to become so immersed in it and how they feel about it that they don't look at the logic of the facts and try to take themselves out of the situation and look at it, look at it broad spectrum. I mean, there's, there's some things that are going on that, or some things that have gone on that ideologically I don't agree with, However, I can look at it and say, you know what, this is best for the country as a whole. And I think it's good. You know, socialized medicine was something I was never on board with. I was never on board with the Affordable Care Act. However, in the situation that we're in now, I think fully fully mandating it through the government and having socialized medicine is the best option, even though ideologically I never agreed with it. So I can look at the good of the whole and I, I just wish that other people would be able to step outside so that box. You can get past I, your own
1: ego. And that's what a lot of this is about. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. And, and choosing your battles. I think there are some things that you can be like, that's not my, that, that's not my ideal, but that's not going to destroy me. And I, I can see how it matters more to a different type of person. Like, I mean, I don't want to steer this into a whole socialized medicine uh, conversation, but I have a chronic illness that from time to time has been like the, the forefront of my life and made it very difficult for me to do anything. And I got subsidized, subsidized healthcare from this, from California, which helped me get well enough to go to work to pay into the system. Like, and that like those sorts of things, I'm like, this actually helps everybody. I'm earning money that I'm that I'm being that I'm paying as taxes now because I got help.
1: Absolutely. Help I'm a Bernie guy, you know? so I'm way like right there with you. And another thing that I've been doing lately and I and I had noticed that you use Facebook a lot less than Twitter. And I used to post well, like do, five to ten times a day on Facebook. And now I'm lucky if I post non-show related links five or ten times a week. Do you think Facebook's outlived its usefulness? There's just too much hate and division on Facebook.
2: Yeah, I don't like Facebook at all. Um, I prefer I prefer Twitter just because of the, the the way that conversations are had on Twitter. I can on Facebook if I post something, um, it can easily become a platform for other people and their ideas, and I didn't work to promote someone else's ideas, especially if they're ideas that I very deeply disagree with or especially if they're there solely to hurt me or someone else who's commenting. Um, and there's just less of a sense of humor, I find, on Facebook. Yeah, that's people true. People take it very literally, whereas on Twitter, I think people are expecting to see jokes and so they can just entertain the idea that what I posted might have been a joke, not just not not my deep heartfelt feelings. And, kind of looping back to what you said about me not um, posting much political stuff, I feel like on a lot of issues, what I can do with my platform is promote other people's voices. Like, I am I am a cis, straight, white woman. Right. Um, I, and that is my experience, and that's what I can speak to with authority. I can care about other things, too. But when I want to uh, talk about other issues, I prefer to promote and retweet other people's uh, statements about it and give that a wider platform because they have more of an experience with it does that make sense see
1: well i see it the opposite way when some guy gets on here and starts their macho bullshit or they start attacking this was the 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 mind-boggling women are just putting me too on their page and guys are like i'm tired of everybody like everyone's saying i'm a rapist or something and I think when a white dude, a middle-aged white man like me comes on and goes, oh, my God, dude, you're so fucking weak. Like, that resonates more than anybody else saying it to him. So I actually think yeah, when somebody in that same group yeah, calls him out, that it's actually more powerful. Oh,
2: yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's not quite what I was saying. I do agree with that. I think that um, so one of my uh, – a few years ago, I worked on a show called Totally Biased. Uh, right, right. A, yeah, And one of the bits I kept pitching on that show, and they never went for, and I really think it was a good one, is called Check Your People. And it would be each of us, we had such a diverse cast um, of correspondents, having each of us specifically talk to our group and be like, hey, like for me, I'm I'm from Virginia, I'm a Southerner, and at the time, there was was the beginnings of this um, Confederate flag rebirth, where people were putting huge, they put a huge Confederate flag in Virginia on the highway just to be like, look at it. And I felt like I was the one who should address that and say, hey, guys, come on, it doesn't, you're saying that it means one thing and it means something else to most of the rest of the country. You're making me look bad. Come on, let's not, let's not do this. Have, have your biscuits, have your pride in that. Don't have pride in this. This is not where it lies. Um, and have each group. Do that, so 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 it doesn't feel like an attack coming from outside, and it's got empathy to it. Where it's like, I understand what you're what you're caring about, but you're not expressing it in a way that's helpful. Right. And I feel like that's what you're that's what you can do to other men like you. You can be like, look, I get it, but this isn't
1: right. I agree, and I've been trying hard to move in that direction. Okay, speaking of moving in direction, I want to talk about your work because me Dee, and Fern love <laughs> a lot of the stuff you work on um you had mentioned totally biased that's something that you wrote on of course drop the mic we'll talk about here in a minute i'm looking through your imdb you have so many great writing credits what do you find most creatively fulfilling and most creatively challenging is it stand-up is it acting is it writing because you do so much across the entertainment spectrum
2: um i I do and I really enjoy doing a lot of different stuff. When I've tried to nail myself down to just one field, it, I get antsy and I, I feel like my work isn't as, um, isn't as good and it isn't as dimensional. So for me, I kind of have to do all of it. Um, I, I would say that the writing is probably the most challenging just because you got to chip away at that. You, you have to sit down and write it one letter at a time, you have to be the one to do it. You can't get other people to do it. You can't fill time on the page with the audience laughing, like in stand-up. You can't just show up, like when you're acting. Um, so the writing is the most challenging, uh, which probably means that it's, it's it, I mean, it's not the most fulfilling. It is very fulfilling. I, uh, stand-up is probably the, the most fulfilling because I'm writing, I'm acting, I'm engaging with people and communicating with them in real time. Um, and it feels like we're having an experience together. So I, I, stand up, my favorite.
1: And you know, as I learned, I listened to your podcast, cool playlists, and you guys. I listened to the most recent episode. You guys were talking about a lot of punk bands that I grew up into. I used to play in a punk band called Even Steven in your area, and. Cool. Uh, yeah, and I just, I didn't know, one, Fern is in Norfolk in Virginia Beach right now, and I grew up okay. in the D.C. area and then lived in New- Norfolk for several years. How much did that punk background, because you do have a punk background, how much of that, like, kind of prepared you for comedy? Because you have a very unique voice in comedy, and after listening to your Cool Playlist podcast, it kind of seems like it's from your po- your punk rock roots.
2: I mean, that's definitely part of it. I also, even before I was into punk rock, um, my parents are very artistic, and so I, I grew up... Before I knew about punk, I thought that I wanted to be a performance artist when I grew up for a while. Like, that's a weird kid. Um, so I always had some weird influences, but I do. I think what punk did more than anything was uh, give me a very DIY mindset where oh, I, yeah. I, I have a hard time... One of my challenges is taking my project to a bigger level because my instinct is just do it myself. My instinct is find a stage, throw it together, get people to do it. We can do this within a That's couple of weeks. That's a great
1: instinct, and, by the way.
2: Well, it's uh, it's great when you're starting out. That's amazing. Now I'm having to learn to like get uh, other people, gatekeepers, big, bigger level people involved and... Um, you know, distribute the work a little bit, delegate a little bit, because I can't DIY a TV show. I can't DIY uh, a special or a movie. That stuff, you have to, I mean, I can, but it won't be on the scale that I want it to be. So it's taken me, it's gotten me here, which was great, and now I'm having to make adjustments to it, which I think Jonah and I talked about a little bit in terms of mindset at least on that episode. Um, but it's, it's it's hard shedding some of that um, and feeling like, oh, I'm, it's not lesser if I'm doing it on a, on a larger and more commercial scale. Yeah,
1: but I feel like having that punk, rebellious DIY attitude allows <laughs> you to go into a situation wanting to maintain more control over your creative vision or product. And I think that is a yeah, net positive.
2: That's true. Yeah. Oh, I don't really think it's a net positive. It's just that—that's one aspect of it that I've noticed recently that I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't. This doesn't need to drive the ship anymore. It's good that it's here, but that mindset doesn't need to be what's what's in control. Um, but yeah, aesthetically and and in terms of um, me being able to be in charge of things, yeah, I, I definitely think that's that's still valuable.
1: Fern, do you think we're too DIY? Because we launched our network two summers ago. Are we being too DIY? Are we fighting the system too much?
2: I mean, I think what we did was we decided we weren't happy where we were, and we which was on was, Blog
1: Talk, which yeah. was pulling a
2: lot of strings of ours when we were trying to get. Yeah, started. and you know this this you know this this uh, genius moment of hey let's let's do this ourselves. I mean we were all on board, and um, Danielle has just I can't I can't say enough good things about Danielle. I mean Danielle, she's my sister from Danielle another Missa anyway.
1: When it comes, to putting
2: she all this stuff together. has just—I oh, know it was frustrating—and she wanted to climb the fucking walls. But she has done an amazing job with everything. Um, it's ridiculous. So I think the DIY attitude is actually—it's all about grinding it out and doing what you love because you love it, and the rest will come. And you know, I think that that's what we've done. And I'm really—I'm really proud of what we've accomplished. I'm really proud of our, ourselves for you know getting this together and moving forward with it because it just wasn't working out where we were. It was okay, but it wasn't good. It wasn't great. And, you know, it wasn't satisfying enough. We want it to be perfect. And everybody wants to be perfect, right? But, you know, striving to be better is, There's always ways to better yourself. There's always ways to better yourself in personal relationships, in business, in creativity, and being introspective and learning how to love yourself for what you're capable of and understand your faults and work on those and move forward, I think is a good thing. And I think that, you know, I love the DIY thing. So I don't think, I don't think it's too much DIY. I think anyone who's doing DIY is, you know, going to move forward and be happier and more fulfilled in life
1: that warms my heart absolutely all right i we only got a few minutes left we cannot move on without talking about these favorite thing we said in the intro she hasn't stopped talking about for the last two weeks mary poppins quits d you're in love with this video right and you're in love with Kristen bell as previously stated
0: it's just like a mashup of all my favorite things i mean like really (laughs) i loved mary poppins as a kid that's probably like one of the movies that I sang along with the most and just to make it very like look at this problem and look at how you need to fix it and hey it's funny too and of course you know XBL bullshit is just kind of the best thing in the world so Yep. Do you, not when
1: there. you go into the writing process, do you inhibit yourself at all? Or do you say, hey, I'm just going to go where this material takes me. I don't care how far into left field. I don't care if it's not seen as politically correct. Or do you kind of have controls on yourself where you're like, eh, I can't really go there?
2: Uh, well, I mean, it very much depends on what the project is. Different projects have different um, have different perimeters, be it who you're working with, what kind of budget you have, what kind That's of – um, what kind of uh, resources you have? Your your personal goal with it. So um, yeah, I always have uh, sort of that, that like a like like a map and directions as to where I'm going with each piece. Um, with this one, the initial idea for it uh, came from my co-writer uh, um, Jake Fogelnest, who is um, I can't remember what he's writing on right now, but he was the Showrunner on corporate on Comedy Central uh, right nice. now. Nice and yeah, he wanted to write a. He was like, so for the way things worked at Funny or Die was, um, we would know that we had uh, certain celebrities that wanted to do things or had some time available and had worked with us before. And at that point, I I did a lot of political videos for them, and a lot of them were. Um, uh, uh, we were working with the White House, with the Obama White House, where they had issues that they were like, we would love it if you guys wanted to address any of these. And so we would sort of put things together and be like, does this person want to talk about this? Does this person want to talk about that? Um, And how can we do it? And we knew we had Kristen Bell. Um, We wanted to talk about uh, the wage gap. I I personally wanted to talk about uh, raising the minimum wage. Uh, That was very important. And um, she... Oh, I guess yeah, the wage gap is more of the, um, Christina Hendricks one. But anyway, um, and Jake was like, what if we did a Mary Poppins thing? I think he was like on a Mary Poppins kick. I don't know how Mary Poppins came into it, but, um, he was like, we should do some sort of Mary Poppins thing. She, she can do it. he was like, can you write it? And I was like, yeah, I can, I I can write that parody. Um, so I churned that out pretty quick and, uh, yeah she just nailed it and we had an amazing director for it too Rachel Goldenberg directed it and it looks so great because of her like we, when I watched it I was like I, how did you find the actual children like what How? how is it still perfect right. <laughs> she, is, she is in the I think still in the very late stages of finishing up um, her movie which is uh, the the remake of Valley Girl as a musical
1: oh um, man that, I used to um, love that yeah. movie when I was a kid
2: was it yeah, Nicholas so that's Cage in Yes, he was. Yeah. Oh, the original great. But yeah, I've yeah. I've seen a, a couple cuts of hers and her version's going to be really great also. So it was a, it was a great team. Um I I am I'm, I'm thrilled with how they executed what I wrote and um, I'm thrilled to have written for Kristen Bell. I think she's great. And I got retweeted by Obama on that one. So that
1: was pretty neat. Nice. Um, oh, man, to walk in your yeah. shoes. That is fucking <laughs> crazy. So when you're doing these projects, do you find, because obviously this project hit the exact mark you had in your head for it, do you find that the projects are usually hitting the mark where you wanted to go? Or is it kind of like, uh, eh, that fell short, and that wasn't how I had it pictured in my head when I originally set out to do this?
2: Oh, well, it depends. Luckily, all of, I would, unless I'm forgetting something, uh, all, all the political things I've done have hit the mark that I wanted to hit. And so that's great. Most of those also have been smaller teams. Um, you have less people fiddling with it, with a smaller team. Um, so the stuff that I did at Funny or Die, that, um, the Christina Hendricks Modern Office video, um, even uh, we did Comcast, a Comcast video. That was the first thing I wrote for them, no celebrities in it at all, and I I, I liked how that t- turned out. But when you start working with bigger groups, with networks, um, with uh, with you know projects that have like four different production companies attached to them, and then celebrities who are who are getting involved with you through their publicist, not just through them, and the publicist wants to fiddle with it, then it, it's it's ends up being more of a group effort sometimes than than something that I would be like, oh, that's my work. It's like, yep. I'm part of the team that cut. That. Um, that's so, when my inner
1: punk starts screaming, DIY, DIY.
2: Well, that's, the, and that's what I'm saying. That's, it, that is the the little trade-off and agreement that you have to realize that you're making. And if you don't want to make it, you don't have to. Like, don't do that. But it, it like I, I can't drive myself crazy over every single word. If I'm trying to get to a point where I get to say more words in general, you know, That's a
1: good point. That's I'm a
2: trying
1: to be heard. Yeah. Yeah. So you're giving me so to much to think one. about this episode. My God, Fern, she is like grinding all the little gears in my head. I'm, I'm like going into yeah. overtime here thinking about stuff.
2: Oh, yeah. I love it, though. I mean, I love it because I think our philosophies on, you know, life and things like that are very, very closely aligned. And I I kind of I love hearing you talk because, I mean, I always say if if I don't learn something today, it's a wasted day. You know, it could be something about myself. It could be a little factoid. It could be anything. But if you don't take anything away from any given day and learn from it, um then you've it's it's kind of a wasted day to me personally that's kind yeah, of how i like feel you say, know
1: i always want to leave a room smarter than i entered it
2: that's right okay. that's yeah. right it's awesome i i mean i i love it you know putting out positive listening to your podcast and you were talking about you know feelings and you know the endorphins that you know you get the rush that you get by saying something positive versus something negative. And you know I'm always saying, "Hey, just put positive out into the world, put positive out. look at perspectives, try to understand where they're coming from. You know, don't just jump down someone's throat, like get your feelings in check and understand perspective because you can't you can't kill the dandelion by taking it off at the top. You got to take it out from the root and figure out where it comes from and you know the right and wrong issue you know we're, we're kind of ingrained with that as kids you know i mean we take tests all the time you either get the question right or you get it wrong i mean it's it's kind of a childhood mentality that people you know grow up with and apply that to other areas of their life and it, you know i just nick's right you've given us a lot to think about and i just i you know i, I think you're an amazing person and i love your work and just can't thank you enough Oh, thank you so much. Um, I'm I. It was it, it was very nice to to get to talk to you guys.
1: Um, and uh, before yeah, you cut uh, out though, I've got to talk about drop the mic, because we've oh, okay. got that going on on TBS. Um, I you do. have this insane bevy of stars coming on this show from Kenny G to Halle Berry to, of course, we watch Maya Balik today. Do, do most of the people that you invite on the show, are they responsive, or do you get a lot of people who are like, yeah, this kind of isn't my thing? Because it seems like you're really opening yourself up by doing this.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I am thrilled that I don't have to be part of the talent booking team for the show, because they do have the hardest job. Um, because to book the show, you have to find somebody who who wants to do it, because, I mean, if, if they're not excited about doing it, they're not going to be good at it. So at whatever their actual like practical rap skills are, bottom line they have to be excited to do it. They have to find those people. And then find them free on a, one of our specific shoot days that we already have scheduled and people tired for. Oh yeah, I didn't then even think they, about that. Yeah. And it's a long day. It's longer than on a um, on a talk show where they just show up and sit down and chat. Then they have to be free on one of our shoot dates at the same time as someone else who makes sense for them to battle. Oh, so man. it's like a whole lot of it's a whole jigsaw puzzle that the talent department is doing with um, all kinds of people constantly to, to build those battles and we just have to write them and then I just have to go in and teach them how to how to wrap them. Um, are you actually we, the one
1: writing the wraps or are they writing the wraps themselves and you're just going in and kind of cleaning them up?
2: No well, I mean it depends. We have a we have a writing staff we write them. Um, I there are a few people who, have rewritten theirs. Um, Some people just tinker with it. Some rewrite them completely. Um, I think think like Wayne Brady totally wrote his because he's Wayne Wayne Brady. Brady. He absolutely can do that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. uh, Back on the Late Late Show when we first started doing the bit, after we did our first one, David Schwimmer saw that episode and was going to be on the show two days later and called up and was like, I want to do the same bit. And so he and I wrote his battle together he wrote pages and pages of lines and I had I helped him get them into uh, into the, the right format um, the right timing and added some of my own to like answer some of the things that Corden was saying so it, sometimes it's a group process sometimes they show up we hand them a script and they just do it it's you know it, it's I love different. the
1: behind the scenes information like this when are we going to get to see Eliza Skinner on the mic
2: um I'm working on a new project now where so my my uh evolution as a performer started at um musical improv and then I started running a, a comedy rap battle like twelve years ago in New York. So I moved from that into stand up and now I'm folding more of that stuff back into my stand up. So hopefully I'll have a have a special out at some point with me doing stand up and crowd work and improvised songs and even rapping.
1: Holy shit. All right, that's a great place to end. We didn't get to talk about Adam Ruins anything. We went down the politic rabbit hole as usual. So that'll give us something to talk about next time. But do me a favor, yeah. tell everybody where we can find you and all of the projects you're working on on the interwebs and on TV.
2: You can find me at, um, at Eliza Skinner on Twitter, or ElizaSkinner.com is my website. Um, you can listen to my podcast, which is Cool Playlist. You can search it wherever you listen to podcasts, um, and you can follow it on Twitter at, at cool Playlist CoolPlaylistPod. Um, and those are the main things that I, I'm caring about right now. Me Is and the I'm podcast my, coming out weekly? Uh, twice a week right now. Holy shit. It comes out on Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, so we just put out an, an episode last Friday with Sashir Zameda from SNL, and we we're talking that. was about amazing, that. by the way. That was amazing. Thank you. Thanks. She's, she's amazing, and she's a real DIY person. Like, she, she was, I mean, on the most successful, most popular comedy show, like, ever, and was like, yeah, I need to have more of my voice. I need to do more of my stuff. I mean, I'm not saying that that's why... She left, but that, from the outside, is clearly her, the, the trajectory that she has taken, where she's like, I'm putting out a special. I'm putting out albums. I want it, I want it to be more about my point of view. I'm I think is blown cool. away.
1: You do this twice a week. I'm thinking, like, when does Eliza Skinner play video games in her pajamas? You must be working, like, fucking 18 hours, seven days a week. Trying to, trying to make
2: shit happen, man obviously
1: man she's a go-getter all righty i want to thank you so much for calling in fern d i am going to shut my trap you have any last minute things you want to hit
2: dude i would just say definitely check out that podcast oh my god it's really amazing really 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 amazing i thoroughly enjoyed it um you know it's just i was cutting up i mean i listen to a lot of podcasts and sometimes it's podcasts that I have to listen to and sometimes it's podcasts that I come across but this is very entertaining Ooh, I was laughing the whole time and it's a playlist absolutely I'm just, it bears mentioning again because it's awesome um, so yeah and everything you do is amazing so yeah thank you thank you so much I love making them so I'm so glad somebody likes them
0: yes and definitely keep being a Jill of all trades because life is way more fun when you just do everything like Could just not just
1: <laughs> agree. Right on. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Eliza, thank you so much for making our Sunday awesome. We'll be back in two weeks with a double dose of Kettle of Fish with Leah Shore at 2 o'clock and David L. Lander at 3 o'clock. D, hit it.